Our first reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, and chapter 2, verses 5 to 12. Spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And then turning to chapter 2, verse 5. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, But there is a place where someone has testified, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He, will say, he says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mark chapter 10, verses 2 to 16. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. 
He answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms put his hands on them and bless them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please sit down. Um, <clears throat> We're going to try to look at both passages. I've already um, had a suggestion from a member of the congregation, you can guess who, that I should avoid going on for too long as we could all end up locked in. Um, and uh, I'm going to concentrate particularly on um, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. And what I want to try to do is think about how and as what kind of thing we relate to God and to one another. And if we're not doing that as atomistic individuals focused on ourselves and bouncing off each other, then how do we relate to God and to one another? So let's go back to the beginning of, uh, of Hebrews. In the beginning of Hebrews, then, we see all kind of different ways in which God has related to us, described First, the prophets, but latterly, God relating to us and to the world through his Son. And in verse 3, we're told that the Son is the exact representation of God's being. The exact representation of God's being. And I, I think there are a couple of things that we might note about that. One is this sense of relationship between the Father and the Son. There is an inherent relationship. Both are described in those first few verses of Hebrews, being active, uh, but being different to one another, though engaged with one another. And their relationship, the relationship of the Father and the Son, is an inescapable part, not just of what happened, but of who both Father and Son are. They are affected by one another. The second thing that I think it's worth noting is that this phrase, the exact representation, the sun is the exact representation of God's being. And the word that is used is character in the Greek. And there's a sense not just of character as we think of character, but of character as an imprint, coin-like, of one thing on another. So while the father and the son are different, they're also in some way the same. They contain the precise image of one another. Then if we move on to think about the, the bit of chapter 2 that was read to us, this section of chapter 2 describes the way in which God has given humanity 
all of humanity, but specifically Jesus' authority over the world, uh, the way in which Jesus is our representative and our saviour. So again, relationship and image. Again, relationship between Jesus, the world, and us. Image, God's image in us, and our response to Jesus' saving work. And all of that, I think, is underlined particularly in verse 11, where we're told both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. It's very easy for us to read over that. We've read it so many times and not notice what an extraordinary statement it is, that we are of the same family. Uh, Jesus as God's son, we as God's children. And the consequence of that, still in verse 11, is that Jesus is not ashamed to call them, I realize I was working with an American NIV when I prepared this, brothers and sisters. Uh, By the way, at the front had just brothers, brothers and sisters. Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. God acts through Jesus on our behalf to bring us his God's sons and daughters, Jesus' brothers and sisters, back to him. We are part of that family. We are in relationship with him. So how does that relate to to what kind of thing we are? Well, there's a live debate um, in some areas, at least, about a possible difference between thinking of ourselves as individuals and thinking of ourselves as persons. And to caricature that debate, which is a a large and sophisticated debate, but to caricature it, that would see individuals, the idea of individuals being almost like billiard balls, colliding, changing direction a bit, but not really affected by one another, except through the change in direction. And the alternative is something much more organic, a notion of persons not colliding, but engaging with one another and being changed by one another. The idea of the person as making sense only in and through relations with others. And much of this debate is a debate that Rowan Williams has written very powerfully about. And of course, if we think of ourselves as persons and being formed in relationship, then our primary relationship is our relationship with God. It's that relationship that is the most crucial and effective. God who calls us into personhood, calls us into an eternal relationship with him. But our relations with others are clearly vital too. And certainly to me, this notion of personhood seems a much more realistic description of the way in which our lives exist than a notion of individuals banging up against one another but unaffected by one another. And we all know the power of relationship for good and ill. Now the Mark passage is hard uh, and it's important to note that it's not the whole of Jesus' teaching on divorce or indeed of the Bible's teaching on divorce uh, and we can't tackle that in full now. But it is worth noting that it's at least in part Jesus's rulings here, exhortations here, a response to the bad treatment of women. What, what might this passage in Mark say about the question of what kind of thing we are? 
Well, I think the central point in Mark in this passage on divorce is that we are not billiard balls. We're not unaffected. We're actually changed by engagement, in particular in the engagement of marriage. Something new is created. It is no longer two unaffected individuals, but some new thing. I think I'd want to argue that the current emphasis in much popular discussion on being who you really are implies too easily some determined and fixed individual identity. Actually, as persons, we're created and changed by relationship and in relationship. We're not fixed. Change is feasible. That's one of the wonderful things that God can do with us, that we can be changed in cooperation with God and in cooperation with others, not through collision. Of course, that's why the breaking down of relationships is so hard, because our relationships are, in fact, part of who we are. And I think we see an echo not just in the the passage on divorce, but also in the beautiful passage, the suffer the little children to come unto me. I think that has some of this tone too. Jesus is wanting and allowing the children to come, come to me, speak with me, be blessed my, by me and I by them. He's wanting relationship with them. Again, the that verse in Hebrews, both the one who makes people holy and, the, and those who are made holy are of the same family. And in families, we relate to one another. We're persons, we're not just individuals. We're soft-edged, we're permeable, we're not billiard balls. We exist, created by God and in relationship to him and others and affecting one another. God's action, his relationship to us in creating and in saving is essential to us and to our personhood. And as we bear his image, our relationships with others shape us and shape them. Let's hope we can relate to one another in the light and power of the truth that he and we are of the same family. And as we celebrate in this service, that though we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread. Amen.